Enjoy. This is what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. How's it going? Oh, man, I'm in such a good mood. I had this art fair, spring break art fair, a shout out uh, with, uh, I did this uh, really amazing, uh, it was an amazing opportunity. Uh, I did this project with a sex doll with my collaborator, Sherilyn Neidhart. I'm not going to get into it now, but this is the first moment. It was like, it was like going, going into a tunnel for like two weeks. And now this is the first time I'm actually out of it. So I am really, really happy to be here. And I am most excited about my guest today, Abby Eman, who runs Hecate, a, a bar and cafe. But we're going to get to that in a second, because first I want to tell you about Radio Free Brooklyn. You know Radio Free Brooklyn. You know, you probably, you're listening to it right now, okay? So, uh, you know, it's, it's a really great radio station. Um, it's a nonprofit. All donations are tax deductible. You know, because I know you're paying a lot of taxes. I know my listeners are really getting killed on taxes. Selling too much art, getting paid too much to do shows, too much comedy. I know how well comedy pays, and these people are getting killed. So go to Radio Free Brooklyn and and donate because, you know, you need a tax deduction, okay? No, but it's a great station, and it's got it's a great community, and that's really the reason why. I also want to let you know about the Peters Valley Craft Fair. Who doesn't love a craft fair? How can you not? Okay, so anyway, the it's uh, it's an annual craft fair, and it's December twenty fourth and twenty fifth. It's at the Sussex County, New Jersey Fairgrounds. PetersValley.org, uh, and it benefits its visitors can browse to buy handcrafted pieces, over 100 artists, uh, and the sales support Peters Valley School of Crafts, fostering creative thinking through, you know, all the stuff that they do, exhibitions, programs, events. So uh, check it out, okay? Be a nice weekend, you know, in the end of September, maybe some leaves will be out there. Okay, so I'm going to make a an attempt to introduce my guest today. And this is not easy. This is one of the most complex guests I've had. She's on the second time she was on a few years ago. So Abby Eman uh, isn't like really, you know how I like to think of Abby sort of as a community organizer. Is that okay, sure. Abby? Yeah. yeah. Because Abby uh, just opened this new bar that we really want to talk about because it's a sober bar. It's like a brand new idea. And I just want to tell you where it is. It's on, uh, I have the address written down. Wait, wait, wait. It's on 167 Avenue B between 10th and 11th Street. It's a sober bar fueled by feminine energy. Okay. Um. So we're going to talk about that, but just so you get the idea who, uh, okay, brief rundown on Abby. <laughs> Abby has been, uh, she spent 20, she's been to Burning Man 22 times since 
2002, 22 times, and she ran a sign shop there. Uh, now she goes, you know, she's not running the shop anymore. Uh, so uh, she also opened a bar six years ago, Lucky on Avenue B, which is very, very popular. That's a regular old uh, alcohol, uh, you know, alcohol, a bar that sells alcohol, normal. <laughs> Heck it, not normal, but great. So Abby's been through like, um, what else has she done? I mean, I could, I could, I could, I could go on, but Abby is a person who will like people gravitate to. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. She's the leader of many communities and she just has that talent and that energy. And, uh, she's in my age group and, uh, she's a huge inspiration to any woman over 40. Even over 50. Okay. Did I, did I, did we leave anything out, Abby? Is there anything else that you can really think that you, that I haven't represented? Well, well you did a whole thing with parties at one point, right? Um, Nightlife. Well, I was in advertising. Then I worked at Penthouse Magazines. Um, so I was in pornography. What did you do? What did you do there? I was a writer and an editor. Mm-hmm. And then I threw parties. I did fetish parties. Yeah. That's sex parties, rock and roll parties. Um, I worked at Mother. I got, my my big production was um, closer at, to Mike, a little yeah, closer. Uh, I I was one of the producers, co-producers of a an event called Click and Drag, which was yeah. every Saturday night at Mother for a couple of years there with um, Chichi Valente, Rob Roth, Kitty Boots. Um, from there, I did Mondo Porno, which was you know free porn, burlesque dancers, and rock and roll. I did that at Arlene's Grocery. I did sex parties and fetish parties. I just, you know, I had years as a producer kind of person and a freelance writer. And then I started working for Burning Man. I ran the Department of Public Works sign shop out there, which was three months a year for a bunch of years. Um, and it was only 18 years that I've been to Burning Man. I just got back a week ago from my 18th burn. It was hot and dusty, which I know it always is, but it was hotter and dustier and harder because we hadn't been you know i'm so glad i asked you that question because i remember i didn't know you then but i remember like hearing all about you because of all the parties that i knew all the parties i don't i you know i'm i'm a dork <laughs> but i knew about them all and i knew and i was like if i was gonna have fun that would be some play, something i would do but uh that's like such a huge part of your life, your career, your experience. And I didn't even get to that when <laughs> yeah. I was introducing you. It's so funny. Well, I've lived many lives. Yes. Um, now the life I'm living is the owner of two businesses right across the street from each other on Avenue B. Lucky, the one at 168 Avenue B is six years in. It's a you know regular bar bar, um, a dive bar for grownups, which it still is 100% on vision, you know, the, Absolutely. The, the, before I opened, I had the vision, and it's exactly the way I had hoped. Um, we have an amazing jukebox. All your music fans should come check it out because it's probably the most interesting and eclectic jukebox in New York City, if anywhere. Um, it's the only place you're going to hear TV jingles, ad jingles, William Shatner singing Mr. Tambourine Man, and the Sex Pistols, and, you know, uh, Bobby Goldsboro. It's just a really interesting. Almost 
all homemade CDs jukebox. Uh, and then across the street, the newly opened Hecate Cafe and Elixir Lounge, which is New York City's only sober bar right now. So, so um, there's a couple, there's two things I really want to know about, uh, Abby. One is I want to know the philosophy behind the bar, like as far as like the Hecate is a, is a, is a, a witch or a, uh, um, Hecate or Hecate as the witches pronounce, pronounce it. She's the queen witch and she's also a Greek goddess. So there's lots of lore attached to her. You hear mother maiden crone, like the three faced, um, goddess or witch. That's also her. Um, her familiars are dogs instead of cats. Um, uh, and <laughs> she, like if she's the goddess of the crossroads and, you know, I was just say Google her because there's lots to say, um, and I don't really know why I chose her as the name of the place. Um, the witches that I've spoken to all tell me that well, she was reaching out to you. So okay, but you know, like witches, like this is part of your your interest. Yes, right. uh, yeah. I mean, I like the idea of witches. I, and people say, "Are you a witch?" And I say, "I'm only witch adjacent." We do. Ha- I do have a couple. Mm-hmm staff members who are witches and plenty of friends who are, but I do not practice any of the yeah, but there's witchery. Like, there's like some, ma- there's, let's put, say there's some magic female, heavy female yes, energy. Yes. Infused yes. That's what into I was this t- tapping bar. into that's with what, her. That's yeah. what, that's what we're going for. That's what totally. we're, that's what's happening there. Yeah. Um, and then also a sober barn. Like this is so fascinating to me. Like why, Oh, by the way, before we get into uh, the particulars and what Abby has to say, you should know, guys, like this got a bit, this has gotten so much press. Um, I'm going to read a headline from Time Out New York. Uh, a sober bar, a sober dive bar has just opened in the East Village. Oh, oh God, I'm not going to get, uh, heck, heck, it is a very unique, very New York kind of spot, but It's like all the press that I saw when I was doing my research is all about what an original, unique place this is. I'm saying, like, it's gotten a ton of attention. Yeah. uh, A sober bar isn't necessarily a unique idea because um, there was one opened up, I think, like five years ago um, called Listen Bar. And now it's only virtual, which, you know, you can't have a virtual bar unless you want to be in Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but the timing wasn't great five years ago and the timing right now is perfect, which is the first time in my entire life I've had good timing <laughs> with anything because there's just a, a mega crap ton of product right now and sober, sober curious, the younger people are drinking less. It's just all these things are snowballing to create a really perfect atmosphere and time for there to be sober bars. And there are, I think last I saw 20 in America right now, but that was like a month or two ago. It could have doubled by now. Well, I've noticed, you know, because I like to watch, I like drinking. I like to watch my drinking, not too, I like, you know, I try to control, I, try, I mean, less is better for, I mean, not, I drink as little as I can, which is still a lot. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, I have, I am aware of all these like, so being sober has completely changed in the last couple of years. Like there are people who like to, 
there are organizations about like not drinking some. It's not about AA. It's not about right. not. It's not about you're an alcoholic or you're not. Anymore. Well, I mean, AA was created years ago when people were ashamed to be sober. Right. They were ashamed that they were alcoholics. And now there are people who aren't drinking who aren't alcoholics. They're just right. choosing not to drink. Right. You know, so it's it's people are reevaluating their relationship with alcohol. And maybe only drinking on the weekends or maybe only drinking, you know, they're just cutting back maybe. Um, And there's there's no longer that shame associated with like, oh, I'm a friend of Bill. And, you know, you have to be in these hidden meetings. People are are no longer embarrassed to say I'm in recovery. It's totally, you know, because we've also all the country anyway has reevaluated our relationship with mental health. Like mental health has been especially since the pandemic, people just talk about their crises more readily and there's just less shame mm-hmm. associated with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to say that I also think that um, the, I don't know, medical community or whatever has come out. I've re- re- They are saying that like alcohol isn't good for you. No well, alcohol. Everyone wants to believe that three glasses of red wine is the, you know, the, thing to keep you living longer and who knows the people who live forever it's genetics that's that's what it is a lot of it you can you can do your yoga and and watch your diet and croak of a heart attack at 35 or you can live to 110 you know with a million vices and it's probably more about genetics than it is about your intake of any specific food or substance or butter or red wine. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time I had regular ice cream and I have a cholesterol problem. Yeah, I just put everything I want in my body. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm not on any drugs to to keep me alive longer because I don't go to the doctor to find out what drugs I should be on. (laughs) I like this idea. I'm healthier than anyone I know. Yeah, I I can tell you she is. That's that's because you are like going to, I think, if you can go to Burning Man every year, I think you're in really good. I'm also working condition. my ass off all the time, so that keeps me. This is true, <laughs> and you're not sitting at a desk, right? So tell us about. I want to hear about like your idea about like what motivated. Like you must have had running lucky, and serving out. You are not sober yourself. No. Can I ask you how much you drink? Um. Well, when I drink, I drink a lot because I drink to get drunk. Oh. Um. I'm not like, I don't want to have one cocktail with dinner or one beer with dinner because I don't, you, you know, don't want that. It's the, it's a, it serves a purpose like any, anything else that's mind altering. And so I use it to, for that purpose. Oh, that's um, so, so do you drink like once a week or something like totally that? Totally depends of, on what the social the, calendar but calls for. you don't for. drink it. See, I'm the opposite. I drink every day almost. Well, but I have in, like interestingly, wine. I'll be at heck it working and I'll be, I call it accidentally sober because if I'm behind the bar working, I can't drink because there's no alcohol on the premises. So there I am all night oh, that's and good. I go home and, you know, I don't pass out drunk. Right, you know? right, so, right. So it has created more sobriety in my life just, uh-huh. you know, I've defaulted to And when you drink, that. I'm just curious, what do you like to drink? Is it like a tequila thing? I'm a PBR and so I like cheap, beer. cheap, shitty beer. I love yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I love I'll it. I'll drink margaritas too. But, um, you know, hey, you not- should be promoting a brand of the brand of PBR. They should be paying you. They should be because I, you could I'm, be doing that. We got, could be promoting that. We've got PBR coffee at Lucky, which is delicious. It's like you who. And then across the street, we've got PBR zero at, 
at Hecate. So it's oh, like wow. the zero ABV PBR. And then we go through kegs of the regular PBR at Lucky because it's, well, it's everybody, it's the cheapest and yeah. I like it a lot. So, yeah. So I am, um, so, okay. So you've been, you, you've been work. you've owned Lucky, you've owned a regular bar, you've owned it for, you know, well, now it's six years. So when you decided to, to open Hecate, you already knew what having a bar is like, and right. you liked having a bar. You wanted another bar where people, where there was no alcohol. So what was, what, 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 why would somebody, why the fuck would anybody want to do that? <laughs> well, I should have my head examined in general, but I mean, the, there was a bit of a journey with this business. It was originally going to be a restaurant, coffee shop, bar on the Lower East Side because I found this really awesome piece of real estate. And then I was ready to sign the lease on Friday the 13th, right before COVID. Mm. So, um, you know, that, that put every plan, you know, on the back burner. And as we were sort of going through the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic and there was all this commercial real estate um, available, I sort of scaled back my expectations and was like, maybe I, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic, I, you know, lots of people were drinking heavily during the pandemic. And it was mm -hmm. certainly the first time I'd ever gotten drunk at home alone because we weren't, you know, everyone was just stuck at home. Right. And people were, we were doing um, Zoom happy hours and, you know, just to keep people connected. So Lucky was sponsoring Zoom, right. Zoom happy hours. Right. And it was the first time I'd ever been drunk by myself. And so, <laughs> really? and a lot of other, everybody just, again, reevaluated their relationship with alcohol post pandemic because, you know, people were like, wow, uh, you could just have wine by the case delivered to your house. And mm. people were like, maybe I shouldn't drink so much. So I came up with the idea of part coffee tea shop, part sober bar, because um, and as, in addition to the people who were getting sober or sober-er post-pandemic, I had also minted myself a whole bunch of sort of alcoholics by creating an attractive community at Lucky. So people were coming to the bar every day for community, but they were drinking and maybe drinking too much. So customer number one had a stroke and his doctor said, maybe you shouldn't drink so much. Yeah. Customer number two got completely sober and both of them were, you know, I was like, well, what can I do for people who don't drink or don't want to drink as much, but still crave that connection in that community. Mm. So that's what heck it is. It's lucky, but without the alcohol. So, you know, I, I moved all of the book parties and the poetry readings and that kind of thing that I had been hosting at lucky across the street. And I'll tell you one thing, if you do a spoken word evening at a sober bar, people pay attention. Yeah. They look, they're better listeners because sure. they're not drinking. Right. And so we we have live music and art, you know, shows and stuff and um, workshops. You know, people are learning how to marble paper or make mm -hmm. candles or mm -hmm. make headpieces for the mermaid parade. And there are these, you know, group shows that Ohio Mike has done and we're booked through the end of the year with art shows. And like I said, um, open mic and poetry readings and book parties and book signings and book readings and all this stuff, it's just, it's has a, it's a better venue for 
stuff that people should be paying closer so attention to. So you mean to. you were used, uh, you were doing a lot of events and stuff at Lucky, and so you, now it just seems just, you know, it's can people bring drinks? No. You can't take alcohol off the premises of any place with a liquor license. And surprisingly, that's a surprise to some people. I had to chase these idiots down the block the other night because they took their beers and went to the Indian restaurant down the block. And I went and, you know, took their bottles of beer off the table. I'm like, they're like, whoa, whoa, we paid for those. I said, yes, to be consumed on my premises. You're breaking the law and I don't want to lose my liquor license and I'm taking them back. So what is uh, the difference in, like, is it the same people? Like, what have, what have you noticed? Like, what what is there about being in a bar with people drinking and being in a bar that people aren't drinking? Like, what's the difference? What have you noticed? The only difference is that people aren't drunk. And, you know, like, if you, if you walk into Hecate, it feels like a neighborhood bar. It feels, you know, there's music on, there's people hanging out, people meet there for a date before they go out for dinner, people you know, come and have a drink or two and, you know, or during the day they come and they plug their laptop in just like people do at Lucky and work from home. You know, the the idea is to create the same ambiance, but not around alcohol. Right. Because a lot of the places that feel like they don't have alcohol feel like coffee bars. Well, you know, and a lot of the coffee shops with the, you know, with the exception of the bean, close at five or six. Right. And so if you want to hang out somewhere and not have a drink, even if you're only on medication for a week, where can you go to meet a friend to hang out? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can go some to a restaurant, but you have to order food. You can go right. to a coffee shop, but not after, you know, nine o'clock at night. So this is a, this is a space mm-hmm. where you can meet a friend, hang out mm-hmm. and not feel like you have to order alcohol we've got seltzers which are are inexpensive but we also have fancy adult you mm-hmm. know cocktails mm-hmm. that are, just happen to be alcohol free mm-hmm. we also have a big selection of zero abv beers and there's so many products there's so many products it's overwhelming so you're learning a lot about Ugh. the non-alcohol business yes so yes. is that the wave? i mean is that a wave for the future it's a huge wave right now there's one company i can't even remember their sales are up 485% over the past year. Like that's, there's a uh, an alcohol-free liquor store called Boisson that just got huge. Um, Where is that? Venture capitalist funding. Uh, they're everywhere. They've got five locations, I think, in New York right now. And they're opening all over the country. And with their VC money, they're, you know, I hope they don't screw up like a lot of people who get VC money do, but they're growing. It's, you know, if you walk into one of their shops and I haven't, been to one of their shops. I've only been to Spirited Away, which was, um, I think they opened before Wasson. And they moved from almost down by Canal to Nolita recently. I haven't been to their new mm-hmm. spot. But it's it's like you go inside and it's all of the alcohol-free spirits that are available. So it's, know, like you're, it's like walking into a liquor store, but there's no liquor available. You, you know, I've noticed that myself because since the pandemic because you know i go through periods like i'm always i'm a dry january person so uh my local bar that happens to be two blocks away that i've go to the most is pine box rock shop shout out but anyway uh i noticed after the pandemic they had a whole like a whole menu a whole new not what you're talking about at heck it 
it's probably very similar. Like well, it's alcohol free alcohol. Um, but like beers and I mean, they used to only have one and I'd be like, eh, all right, I'll have a seltzer or whatever. But now I feel like I feel like it's a real like people. I feel like the pandemic, I'm agreeing with you. And then I feel like the pandemic really changed uh, a lot of people's relationship with alcohol. It, I think so. Um, you, or it might have accelerated um, a movement that was already happening. And um, there's a book and movement that's sober curious and I'm forgetting the woman's name, but um, and I've been trying to get her to come in and do an event, you know, because like I said, that statistically younger people under 30, 35 are drinking less. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know whether that's because they're listening to doctors. I tend to think that they aren't because I sure as hell didn't listen to doctors. <laughs> I still don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think it's just, a, it's just a trend mm-hmm. and, the it was accelerated by the mm-hmm. pandemic where so people were just too shit faced all the did time. Did you so I mean it's interesting what you were talking about when you got drunk at home alone. Did that was that something that raised your consciousness? Were you surprised did you It was depressing. It was did depressing. Did you surprise yourself? Yeah. I mean, well, what the pandemic pointed out three things to me that I'm a very shallow person. I the the most important things to me were Having a stranger put a plate of food in front of me, shopping and putting my fingers on things I wanted to buy. Like I like to go to thrift stores and not being able, like I don't want, I don't buy anything online. I don't shop online. I am anti Amazon. I will. I just refuse to put another dime in that asses oh yeah you get me started on him preaching and and i i like i like getting drunk with my friends i mean lucky i like to sing along with the jukebox and that's like for me nirvana is singing along to a jukebox with a room full of people i love it and you know we even did an event um at hecate which was just as joyful but sober where it was a sing-along and the idea was you're going to win a cash prize it was like karaoke only instead of you singing alone you picked a song and everyone sings along I love that and whoever picked the song that the people sang along the loudest and the longest to won i love it and my my friend ron who is was the dj that night he he won because he was throwing on all this people were choosing stuff but then in between people coming up and requesting he was playing his own stuff and he played all i want for all i want for christmas is you which in december you want to like tear your eyes out of their sockets because you don't want to ever hear that song again but turns out in april everyone just went crazy and he brought (laughs) jingle bells along so everyone was jingling their jingle bells and it like it was so joyous and so fun Uh. and that's my favorite thing I, i if i were a religious person i'd be in a church choir but i'm not a big Jesus person. And I'm going to so. call you out on that because it sound it sounds a little rigged. What? <laughs> the contest. Well, <laughs> it, it, well the thing but was the, is that, that that all I want for Christmas is you turned out to be the most beautiful sung along song. I love and, it. And you know, he wasn't he was doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He I wasn't know. getting paid to DJ. Yeah, he just beautiful. wanted to do it. So he won the cash prize. I have to make fun anyway. of you. Yeah. I have to, that's part of my job here. <laughs> Um, so that's so funny that those are the things that you notice. So you're used to being around people all the time. Yeah. And And I hated, I hated the pandemic and I hated, I just hated being alone. I hated drinking alone. I hated 
being stuck home alone in my apartment. And I, I mean, I, I was already going out and doing things, you know, what would March 16th, they locked us down and I was already out meeting friends in the park in April. Like I was drunk in Tompkins square park on Easter, which I think was like the first weekend in April because I just couldn't deal with being home alone. I, I know people who are still home alone. They don't want to go out and do things or they have, you know, health issues where they're, you know, to still, um, don't feel safe in crowds. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't care about But this you live part. alone, right? Yeah. And you're, you're down with that. Yeah. Well, that, and that's part of why it was awful being alone because yeah. I live alone. If I had, you know, if I'd had a roommate or a partner, it might not have been so depressing. You know, that's or maybe right. it would have been more depressing. No, I don't know. No, yeah, yeah, right. You're right. But it really, I think that the pandemic actually, I think that really did affect everybody. The, uh, the people that lived alone, people that didn't live alone. I think, I think that, um, that was an issue for better or for worse, that everyone noticed, you know, people in relationships complaining or having a difficult time, people who were alone didn't like being alone as much. Yeah, I noticed a lot of guys, I'm just going to say this, there are a lot of guys who um, I would say that I know a bunch, more than one, several guys that I can think of that resist, that I would say could have been in relationships and resisted having a partner who after the pandemic really like got settled with somebody. Did you notice that? Well, I know people who like were had, had pandemic romances where they went into lockdown with people who are practically strangers. And I had an invitation myself to do that. And I'm like, yeah, no, that seems like a really bad idea. And you know, it's worked out well for some, not so well for others. Um, I do think that that the pandemic also made people face their mortality. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're, if you're in your thirties or your forties, you're not really thinking about that until there's box trucks full of dead bodies yeah. parked everywhere. And you're like, wow, what if I got sick? Who would take care of me? Right. And you know, you usually don't think that till maybe you hit 60 or whenever, yeah. but, but people, more people were facing that and more people were sick too. Like, you know, yeah. even, even if you didn't wind up in the emergency room, you're like, wow, I feel really terrible and I wish I had someone to take care of me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't give a shit. I don't, I'll, 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 I'm fine yeah, dying on like, my living room floor. Like, the yeah, dog no. will eat me. But, you know, they're, yeah. uh, men especially don't, they like to be taken care of. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, most men, they get a, you know, they have a cold and you think that, you know, they're terminal. Tell men me. want to be taken care of. They want to be babied. They want to be mothered. They, you know, Tell they me want someone it. to make them chicken soup. And so, you know, all of a sudden, people who are men, maybe, who might have been reluctant to be in a relationship were, oh, maybe this wouldn't be so bad. Well, I'm going to say it's humbling for all of us. Yeah. And that's what we're really talking about here because, like, a lot of men or the men that I'm thinking of maybe thought they didn't need anybody. Right. Well, well, it also taught us all that we definitely need each other. Mm-hmm. And... uh I I certainly was like I need to be around people. I could not be that hermit living in the woods. I I would lose but, my mind. But you knew that about yourself, I'm guessing. Did you or did not that sh- to that degree? Really? Not to that What's degree. Surpri- were you surprised or tell me about that? Well, yeah. I mean, I just because I mean, right now because both places have me being social so much, and my job is very social. I do sort of crave my alone time, but 
only for a limited period of time, you know, it's like, it's good to go home, have some quiet time, turn on my, you know, IV drip of law and order and (laughs) hang out with the dog. But more than a few days of that, and I'm like losing my marble. But I also think one of your major talents, I mean, I think you have many talents, but I think one of your um, outstanding talents is the ability to lead a group of people. I don't think you do it by, like, I'm in charge because I'm the smartest or I know more or something like that. I think you just are really good at getting people to... Do what I tell them. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, what, you know, like the, I'll say that about Tom Tenney, the director of the station. I mean, there's something about the way that he managed to put this whole, the founder of the station, I should say, Shane, Shane is now the, well, anyway, but he, the way he was able to get everybody in line and nodding their heads to be part of the station and, 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 you know, and I think that you have that. And I think that's, I think that if that's part of your creative juju and you're not doing it, you're not getting a chance to do it. You're not being satisfied as an artist. Right. Yeah. That's you your art, yeah, right? My, my art is definitely putting people in a room mm-hmm. and having them have a good time mm-hmm. doing whatever. And, and that's what's been interesting with Hecate is that people are loving what I'm doing even without the booze. Right. Which, you know, certainly, and, you know, they, there are lots of things that people say about alcohol. It's a social lubricant. It's, you know, but even without the social lubricant, it's the, the, the vision is working. Yeah. And yeah. that's really gratifying when people really understand what it is I'm trying to do and get the vision and are enthusiastic about it and are consumers of it because, you know, it helps to pay the rent. My, landlord at the new place is like, oh, it's so great that you're doing well and are able to pay the rent. <laughs> so, well, yeah. paying the rent on a bo- on something that's not selling alcohol is not easy, folks. You can, I'm sure. Right? Yeah. Well, fortunately, I mean, the reason why I wound up with that exact space is that it was, it's directly across the street from Lucky. So right. there I am looking at this sign across the, the street like, well, it used to be a dry cleaner. I don't know if, what I could turn it into. But when I found out how inexpensive the rent was, my feeling was I could be paying the rent there with the extra money from Lucky. Hmm. Smart. Well, that was, as I was telling you earlier, la- last year, last summer, we were making crap tons of money at Lucky because everyone could go out, but they couldn't go anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. And, and so new york city was sort of a captive audience this summer i was not making money hand over fist like i was last summer because everyone could travel the world again and everyone took advantage and you know the east village wasn't as hopping this summer as it was last summer but now both are sustaining themselves do you you have feelings about serving alcohol like what from that you have to i mean it's i you know well, I'm a Gemini, so it's both sides of the street. It. I love it. Both sides of my personality. I love it's like it. the angel on shoulder on one side of the street and the devil on my shoulder but on the other. But do you have feelings about like serve like get, getting all these people alcohol and then do you feel like more is there better about not giving them alcohol? Do you have feelings about that or are you saying or do you ever think like these this place would be more fun if these people would drink? Like what's your feelings about the two? No, I mean the idea is to have both. Mm-hmm. And if you want, what there was a guy who came into Lucky and looked at the menu and said, can you make me a virgin, whatever, whatever. And I said, 
why would I do that? You can walk across the street and get that. I'm not going to, I mean, unless if, if he had come to an event yeah, and there were yeah. 30 or 40 people in the bar, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have even blinked, but right. it, it, the bar was empty. It was like one right. o'clock on a Monday. Right. And I said, if what you're looking for is an alcohol free cocktail, right. walk across the street right. and get that because making you a virgin, whatever, I don't have all the tools. Right. Right, right, so right. I don't have the alcohol-free tequila that we have across the street. And if, if you're wanting that experience, then just go across the street. So tell, tell me about the traffic flow. I mean, how about like the hours? Like do the same, like, you know, a bar is like starts getting crowded at six or whatever. Is the hours kind of the same? And well, I, I mean, mean, people gravitate. Or we, we open both places at noon. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I do have coffee at Lucky. I bring in the Keurig for hot drinks when oh. the weather gets cold. But um, you can get coffee and tea at Hecate starting at noon. So people will come in like they would go to a Starbucks or the Bean or whatever, and plug in their laptop, work from home, have a coffee, have a tea, have a couple coffees or teas, mm-hmm. and um, which you can't really do like, especially in the summer at lucky if you come in you can sit there on your laptop but people are usually having a beer um, mm-hmm. and it's nice to be able to offer both mm-hmm. but um we were only open till 10 p.m at Hecate. i'd like to expand that from 9 a.m till 11 or 12 at night soon uh, and make i'm going to be buying a fancier coffee machine so oh. we can expand that mm. but uh you know, and even at Lucky, post-pandemic, people are not staying out as late. Like You're we just, right. We, we, we only are open till 4 a.m. now um, on, only. Friday and sa- <laughs> only on Friday and Saturday because people just don't drink as late as they used to. And like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're, well, Tuesdays we have this goth party called Darkwater Tuesdays, and that mm. usually goes late. But um, for the most part, people aren't staying out late. Um, Wednesdays are Burning Man happy hours most weeks mm-hmm. and we'll be open till maybe two mm-hmm. and Thursdays two or three and then Fridays and Saturdays mm-hmm. till four. Mm-hmm. So can people bring the coffee to the liquor bar? Yes. <laughs> you can bring anything. You can take anything that's at Hecate to go because there's no liquor license right, and there's right, no right. liquor. Right, right, right. And I'm not doing to-go drinks which is now legal. Is it? I'm at Lucky because you're supposed to order food to go with it. And I just right. don't get me started on the food. With right. The booze because thing. you were during the the pandemic really, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, everyone was deeply affected, but you were really, you were really out front. Like you did tell, tell I, I'm a troublemaker. I, you know, we that. were watching Cuomo every day religiously. He was like, you know, dad telling us you know how to navigate through this and when they said you could reopen with to go i only did that for two days and it was both mostly just to get the taps flowing again because they had said if you have outdoor space you can have outdoor drinking so i have a backyard at lucky and i was having people drinking outdoors and then he lost his mind and said I said outdoor dining, not outdoor drinking, and <laughs> you have to order food with your alcohol, which I thought was a load of bullshit because it didn't have anything to do with safety or health no. or anything because no. that actually made it more dangerous. You know, it was, you you, you know, you, there were more germs involved with food. Right, right, right. Than You're right just, about that. I mean, that. you could, right stick, you could stick a, a straw under your mask and drink super You're right. safely, You're right. but you can't eat. 
No, you know? you're right about so that. So I was pissed and I started a petition and I said, I want this executive order reversed because it doesn't take any health or safety in mind. And I got 5,000 signatures on the petition and the story was on and, you know, 10, 10 wins and it was on NY1 and it was in the post and like 48 hours after it was in all the press, the department of health came and said, why aren't the people in the backyard eating food with their, you know, booze? Eating potato chips. Well, potato Cuomo chips weren't a thing. It had to be hot and don't even, oh, that's another whole that. other okay, thing. Yeah, yeah, then. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, well, I'm taking Governor Cuomo at his word. He said that we would get three strikes and this is my first strike because I'm protesting this executive order. And 24 hours later, they slapped a big thing on my door and, and they shut me down for the SLA shut me down for a month. Oh. And uh, that uh, August, it was August. I lost even more money. They slapped me with a $30,000 fine, Disgusting. which was another bunch of bullshit because Cuomo had said, we'll suspend your liquor license or give you a $10,000 fine. So as soon as this went down, my friend, Wiley Stecklow, who is a civil rights attorney, um, he's uh, Reverend Billy's uh, attorney. Oh, he, okay. he keeps Reverend Billy out of jail all the time. He called me up and he said, I think your civil rights have been infringed upon. You know, you were trying to go to your publicly elected official and and have redress for this thing that you thought was wrong and you you were retaliated against for doing that and so we sued the state liquor authority and governor cuomo because i need my head examined um and we won the thirty thousand dollar fine was reduced to ten thousand which was still cumbersome um, oh wow you know what um well, we, why don't we just ignore it like we did last time? <laughs> well, I have to explain to the listeners why, sure. why they're getting this unpleasant sound. So uh, since Abby has been here, she came like, you know, half an hour before the show started. This is the third time that the fire alarm has gone off. And the first time we got anxious and checked and then it was just found out that it was... <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a boy who cried wolf problem here. Yes, well, a big one. Let's not be self-immolating here. Hopefully, it'll stop. Yeah, I don't <laughs> smell anything burning, though. And this is a big brick building. I'm not too worried. <laughs> it's giving me a headache, though. Right? It's yeah, it's very, um, very unpleasant. Yes. Oh, well, we've got um, Head- headphones on. And we have on. headphones on. Wow. I'm really hoping this stops. <laughs> Maybe you can take it out and post. Hey. Um Wow. Do you think we can continue this? I guess we could talk over it. I don't feel like I'm in any danger, but the listeners are probably going, oh, that's making my ears hurt. Yeah, I don't know. Talking through the, the yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh. It does have that pause where you're like, oh, it's going to stop. I know. Uh 
This is unfortunate. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, we, Although, get, we, maybe, we can just talk maybe, over it. I feel like your vibe just got so intense that, like, somehow <laughs> it just exploded. Okay, you want to try? We can keep Yeah, we going. can just Let's keep, keep talking. Going. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, where were we? We were talking uh, I was about... I was suing the State Liquor Authority oh, and yeah, the governor. Oh, yeah, keep going. But we won. We won, and, I, and th- you know, things were... But that did that change the rules for everybody? I mean, you kind of spoke up. For no, everyone. no, he, he, the the executive order was not reversed, and he, you know, they loads of other people got fined for not forcing you to eat food with your, you know, drink, and it 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 to this day. And I really I understand our, our elected officials were doing their best under extenuating circumstances. It was a pandemic, no, no, you know. It's been over 100 years since the last one. People didn't know how to deal with it. But I would like that $10,000 back, uh, Mayor. I would like... But do you feel like there's whatever you did, did that help other... No, no, no. no, it didn't. didn't. That's a shame. Yeah. yeah, It did get a lot of press. I mean, it got people talking about it and pointed out the hypocrisy of it. Right. Well, I mean, in the end capitalism wins out i think you're right about that it was it was less about public health and more about capitalism and make sure like we got to get these businesses back open because we need the tax dollars so just open up and like who can like really what was covid only knowing that you know infecting you if you were standing up and not sitting down we weren't allowed to serve oh yeah remember that yeah you, you could sit and have a drink but you couldn't stand and have a drink it was all just really preposterous well, I felt like Cuomo didn't really have an idea what actually going out in New York City might be like. That's well, what made uh, yeah. me think. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he didn't understand. And a lot of, I, I mean, I could see it was probably just a bunch of politicians in horrific Zoom meetings trying to figure out how to keep from killing more people but keep the economy going. And they were just floundering miserably. And, you know, I've never ha- held a lot of... Um, stock in our elected officials i don't think that they always do what's best for the people but this really just sort of made me feel like wow (laughs) they aren't they don't have our best interests in mind at all it's all about the almighty dollar (laughs) it's also really funny when we think back on um like how cuomo in those days seemed like a completely different person we don't even think about him anymore but he was sort of like well now that he's been disgraced with all these sexual harassment lawsuits i know but um, at the time at the time we were i was hanging on every word because we were all scared shitless people were dying all over the place i know but 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 the panic that we were all feeling needed to be better handled frankly yeah well but the thing is i i mean I think he did a lot of horrible things. I'm not denying that, but at this, and I don't forgive him by any means. But at the same time, I kind of am grateful for how. Well, he was the voice of reason, and yeah, he was reassuring. He was very reassuring. The only reassuring person in the country. Yeah, he was sort of the one that everyone was listening to throughout the pandemic. He it was his voice that like everybody else's governors everyone was listening to Cuomo which also made him more powerful and mm-hmm. 
that's, you know, was part of the whole idea with the petition. It's like, look, I believe you, you're doing a great job, but maybe you'd want to revisit this because it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. It isn't safer to be in my backyard drinking with the chicken McNuggets that I was serving than it went then without the chicken. They weren't McNuggets. They were little dinosaur shaped chicken things, but it wasn't (laughs) any, and like the, the waste was crazy. Like I was buying giant bags of these things and microwaving them to be in compliance and people were feeding them to their dogs or throwing yeah, them in the garbage. I, I mean, meanwhile, other neighborhood bars, one neighborhood bar had a, like bologna sandwich in saran wrap and it was a, like an art piece in the middle of the table. So you got up and left and they left the, the same sandwich, but charged you a dollar to have that sandwich sitting in front of you so that they'd be in compliance. I know. No one was following the actual I law. Know. It was just ridiculous. Know, it was a it was waste silly. of food. It was a waste of money. It was, and it was just and it, more dangerous. Yeah, it had nothing to do with safety at so all. So, when you were a kid, were you always organizing? The I was groups? a troublemaker like, well, tell, when I was tell, little. Tell, my tell whole me, life. Tell, tell <laughs> us a story about something that you did organizing the other kids. I'm sure there's got to be a really good. Well, one. we were always at my house because my parents were super cool, and everybody else's parents would say, "Does that Abby even make you smoke pot?" Because they just assumed that everyone was drunk and smoking pot. And when I was in high school, part you know, with all these kids partying at my house, I didn't drink in high school and I didn't smoke pot in high school. I still have never smoked pot. Wow. To this day, I have never taken a hit off of a joint or a cigarette ever. I mean, I eat gummies all the time now because it keeps me like from, you know, stabbing, yeah, stabbing people. But uh uh, you know, I've still to this day have never smoked pop. It was everybody's parents just thought I, because I was the ringleader that I was also making their kids misbehave. Did the kids that were coming to your house, did they drink or smoke pop? They would drink on their way to my house mm-hmm. and like show up drunk and then throw up. And my mom would like clean up after them and mm. not rat them out. So because my mom so was super par- cool. So is that is that it? Your parents were just really like, open- it, well, they were cool. They weren't like hippie parents or anything. They were normal parents, but they just weren't hypocrites. You know. You mean because they drank? Yeah, and they and and you know there was no sense in getting the kid in trouble. The kid shows up drunk, throws up, and my mom would just like make sure they were okay. But they also must have trusted you. Your parents must have trusted you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had would say my I would lean into my parents' bedroom at night and say, "Okay, we're all sneaking out tonight." And we would all sneak out, and it was a thing. We weren't breaking the law, but, but except you, except for being out late at night. But you must was, have gotten like decent grades and things. Yeah, I mean, did I, you I, get I, good yeah, grades? Yeah, I got good grades, I, and you know, wasn't really ever in trouble. So. Wow, and it's wow. But people, you were. It's just like you had a fun place to hang out. Yeah, and my, it was like we, we had a pool, and my parents stocked the refrigerator with soda for us, and we. Had an M and M jar and a so your parents love love that too. Yeah, they liked having everybody around. Yeah, right. So so that's genetics. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. So my sister has a problem that. with it too. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> she loves. She's a big party thrower. Also, only hers are. She loves holiday parties and she's involved on a lot of boards. She lives in San Francisco, so she's it, like it produces a lot of big fundraiser events in San Francisco. So she's always got people around yeah, too. Yeah, her and too. Do your, and do you, were your parents like that? Did they yeah, have my, a lot of parties? Yeah, they had loads of parties. Yeah. Yeah. They were fun, really fun. Oh, it sounds like a great family. Yeah. Or a fun family to be around. Yes. The whole so, family, even the extended family is fun. 
So, so I would say that your childhood sounds like you had a lot of fun. Yes, I had a blast. That's amazing. Yeah, no that's complaints. Great. And so you're share you're sharing that. Yeah. Wow, that's very the that's, joie de vivre. That's very cool. <laughs> How can you believe this garbage? <laughs> I know. We have. Uh, we have eight minutes left, or really seven, and I really wanted to talk a little bit about what kind of events. I really wanted to get a clean, um, this is really disturbing, um, as as a radio show host, yeah. this is disturbing. This is, <laughs> why you should be dona- this is why you should be donating to Radio Free Brooklyn. Well, I don't think that would make the uh, fire alarms. Well, we could, yeah, we no, but we would, but we would, you know, we would have better production or whatever. <laughs> money solves everything. Money would, money. I don't know. Uh, we would have a fireman on site. <laughs> if we had enough money. That would be our first thing. We'd just get the fireman and we'd get him in here every single day. <laughs> so I want to hear about like you like to encourage having events. I mean, you're obviously somebody who's great with events, and you want people to come and have events. And yeah, send- tonight we've got Oversize, which is my friend Claudius. Yeah. He's producing an event. It's um sort of spoken word and music and sort of a free form. It, it, he'd like it to be open mic, but we'll you know he, he see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. The last one we did a month ago booked so many of his friends that there wasn't time for, for the open mic, but, but I've got, we, we, and we've got, um, listen up, which is a monthly, um, spoken word comedy and live music event. Um, they're on the 1st of October. Uh, one of our resident craft mistresses, Daniela will be doing, um, a Halloween themed workshop. She hasn't quite decided what she's going to do yet. And another, our other craft mistress, Pinky is going to be doing a Halloween headpiece, um, workshop, I think mm-hmm. on the 16th and we do like pop-up shops and uh, got Beltane May 1st. We had a huge thing. It was super fun with a Maypole in the middle of Avenue B. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, you, I'm inviting you, people to, to come and host. This is what stuff. I'm saying. This yeah. is what I'm saying. So people who are listening could pitch their yeah. event to you. Yeah. And, you- and we want to celebrate people's sober versaries. And um, I'm looking forward to a sober New Year's Eve party, which I think should be super cool because just because you don't drink doesn't mean that you need to be in bed by 10, 10 o'clock on New are Year's you, Eve. Are you not going to drink on New Year's Eve? Oh, I'll, I'll probably be working, so I, I can't say. Really? depends on where I'm working. <laughs> I love to work New Year's Eve. And um, last New Year's Day was the first New Year's Day that Lucky wasn't closed. And that was fun because it was a Saturday and we just decided to be open used to be the only day of the year that Lucky would be closed. Oh, right. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. And I'm sure that, uh, that heck, it will be open New Year's Day because none of our customers will be hungover. Mm-hmm. So, well, mm-hmm. there you go. That's right. So what kind of um, what kind of events, like, can people, like, pitch you ideas? Well, yeah, I haven't and where, said no where to would anyone they, yet. You haven't said no to anyone yet. And <laughs> yeah. how would they get in touch with you? Um, just send me an email at Hecate, H-E-K-A-T-E, nyc mm-hmm. at gmail.com and you're open to pretty much anything anything yeah yeah we've yeah. done book like i said book parties with readings and rich like uh um we we had a book party where um there was a ritual and a reading and books for sale um 
Yeah, it's, and you have a calendar, and you yeah, like I, loads yeah. of stuff going on. You can look at the events on the website, which is hecketnyc.com, mm-hmm. or on the Facebook page, yeah, which is Hecket Cafe and, and Elixir I, Lounge on Facebook. And I also looked at the menu, and it's very vast. At yeah, Hecate. and growing all the time. So In fact, you, we're gonna we're gonna start using a QR code, which I know was a pandemic thing, but. It allows me to update the menu on a daily basis, which I can't do with a printed menu. So like just over the oh, past wow. month, all of the people who work for me have invented drinks. Like you can come in and tell us what flavors you like and we'll dream something up for you. Wow. And um, so all of the new, we have to factor in all the new cocktails that um, people have come in and invented and that's going to be a little bit more dynamic. And so we'll have a printed one for people oh, who wow. need something to hold in their hands, but we'll also have the QR code so that I can update. Like if you came in tonight and we invented a drink called, you know, Dr. Lisa gives a shit, it can be on the menu by tonight. So it could be, wow. So I could have like a Dr. Lisa cure-all or something. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> totally. And we Dr. have actually- Lisa syrup. We have, we have drinks that. with curative properties, so- Oh wow. Yeah. Wow, I'm 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 on that. I'm on that. <laughs> um so tell just tell us can you go I mean I have it written down here but you have it in your head. So um why don't you tell us like go through the info again. Hecate Cafe and Elixir Lounge. Right now we're open noon till 10 p.m. 7 days a week. We have coffee, tea and um alcohol-free cocktails, seltzers and zero ABV beers. Mm-hmm. We're adding to that all the time. I'm about to bring on um a tea, not necessarily a partner, but I'm going to start buying a wide selection of tea from Whistling Kettle Teas. They're out of um, Albany and Troy. They have three or four mm-hmm. places upstate. And mm-hmm. it, I just liked, I was up there for a funeral and I went into their shop and really loved their vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a coffee partner yet, but we might be bringing in dead sled coffees because mm-hmm. they're goth and I think they'd go well with oh, the witchy yeah. theme. I like that. And we've got all almost all of the alcohol-free spirits, liars, mm-hmm. seed lip, clear company, you know, just Well, the, the cocktails really, I mean, I have to say the menu of alcohol-free cocktails is very extensive and very exotic. Yes, we've got a, a zero ABV um mezcal or a uh, plain tequila um, jalapeno margarita. Yeah, That's very delicious. Yeah. Really delicious. I mean, come on. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Have you? We also use apothecary products, which is these powders that do all kinds of wonderful things for you. There are mood lifters and things that are good for inflammation and they're just health related stuff. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's impressive. They're magical guys. elixirs. It isn't just, you know, fake booze. Right, 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 right. That's an excellent point. So anyway, um, Abby, a joy to have you here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I me. just want to say um, thanks again for listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shin. I'm here every Thursday, 2 to 3. You can look me up on Instagram, Dr. Lisa Levy, SP. Uh, go to our website, donate money, uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org. And don't forget about the craft fair, for God's sakes, all right? Make sure you get to the craft fair, the Peters Valley Annual Craft Fair, petersvalley.org. Dr. Lisa gives a shit.